0: Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. At Christmas and at Easter, hundreds of thousands of people across America come back to church at least those two times during the given year. They come for a whole wide variety of reasons, all of which I think kind of boil down to this question How do I get right with God? How do I get right with God? So the obvious question to answer that question is, how would you do that? How would you get right with God? Well, the Bible says there's only one way. Hebrews 11, verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You might be a really great person, You might do all kinds of really great stuff in your life. But the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So would you say that faith is a pretty important issue? I would say so. It's vital that you come to faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's vital that you come to faith in Jesus Christ also as your Lord. And it's important for you to learn how to live in that faith and by that faith But it's also important that you learn how to strengthen that faith. That's why between now and March the 1st, we're in this series called Extreme Faith. I probably could have called it Extreme Faith for Extreme Days. Because it seems as if we are living in some fairly extreme days. If we're not hearing about dismal accounts of our economy... We're hearing about the Israeli army marching into Gaza, and the list of things goes on and on and on. In these extreme days, friends, we need extreme faith. And so, in this series, I hope that we'll be able to stretch your faith. I have a feeling there'll be a few weeks where we will challenge your faith. Hopefully, we'll deepen your faith and strengthen your faith, and we pray that when this is all said and done, you're going to see some pretty amazing things take place in your life just as your faith grows. Now, just in the same way that it says that faith is what makes you pleasing to God, the Bible also tells us that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So what I'm saying is, the more you get into this book, the Bible, the more your faith will develop. In fact, I figured out a couple of ways to help you do that, but I'm going to tell you how to do that a little bit later. Do you all have a favorite Bible verse? I remember a few years ago, I sent an email out to just about everybody on my email list, and I asked them to send me back passages that pump you up. Bible passages that when you read them, it just really gives you a morning jolt. I could not believe how many Bible passages I got back. And they weren't all the same, like everybody said, oh, John 3.16. A wide variety. One of those that came back has come to be one of my more favorite Bible verses as well. It's from Matthew 9.29. Because in this verse, Jesus really says to us, friends, it's your choice. Matthew 9.29 says, according to your faith, it will be done to you you get that? According to your faith, it will be done to you. God is saying, friends, if you've got a lot of faith, guess what? We're going to get a lot of stuff done. If you've got kind of a, a little faith, we're going to get a little done. But if you've got no faith, we're not going to get much done. See, it's like faith is this giant key that unlocks the door. Now, if I had to summarize faith, and I, I think I put it on your outline, it would be this way, faith is expecting the best faith is expecting the best uh, the reason i use that is because in hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says faith assures us of things we expect now i'm not talking about positive thinking or wishful thinking rather what i'm talking about you know when i say that faith is expecting the best is this and, and i'm sure that I'm, I'm pretty sure i wrote this on your outline because i wanted you to remember it yeah it's right there expecting the best is the confident assurance that God is in control of the future and plans the very best for my life because he loves me. I mean, that's a pretty powerful statement. In the, 20, in the 32nd Psalm, in verse 8, it says, I will guide you along the best pathways for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. See, God says, if you'll just trust me, if you'll learn to know me, you can expect me to guide your paths, and I'm going to guide you in the, the best paths because I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who wired you up. I'm basing this on what I made you to be. I'm doing this based on what I want you to become. And yet, I'm pretty sure that in a group of people this size there, are some of you are wondering, how can I possibly expect the best when so many things have gone bad... In the past, and to be quite honest, I can't seem to shake them even going into the year 2009. How do I do that? How do I expect the best? Well, we're going to help you learn the answer to those questions today. I'm going to use the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, I'm not going to read the whole story to you, you can read it later this afternoon. Uh, It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17 but let me paraphrase it a little bit. The armies of Israel were fighting against the Philistines, their dreaded enemies. The problem was the Philistines had a champion. His name was Goliath. In the old King James, it said he was six cubits in the span. Well, if you figure that out, it means he was nine foot six inches tall. One big dude. And every day, this big old dude would walk out to the top of the valley and he would shout out, I'll take you on one at a time, one on one. Cage match, you call it, whatever what kind of match you want. Table match, one on one, winner take all. In the process, he terrorized the entire Israeli army, except for one little shepherd boy by the name of David, who said, Let's rumble, big boy. We can handle this. Now, everybody thought that Goliath was too big to fight. David thought, He's too big to miss. David probably also had something else planted in the back of his mind, which is this. One plus God always equals the majority. See, from the story of David and Goliath, I think we can learn at least three things, important things about expecting the best. Here's one of them. When I have faith in God and when I expect the best from God, it honors God. Do you know that? When I expect it and when I have it, it actually honors God. I want you to listen to David's attitude here in this story. It's from 1 Samuel 17, 46. He said, This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and the whole world will know that there is a God. See, friends, we have a God who really, really can do anything. When we expect him to do those things in our lives, it's an incredible honor to him. The great missionary William Carey used to say it this way: Expect great things from God, attempt great things from God, or for God. I'm just thinking about 2009. I'm thinking about myself, what am I expecting God to do this year through me, with you in this church? Well, I expect great things from God, but I also expect that God expects from me that I would attempt some great things for him as well. I've often told people, we ought not to be in any project that we can do on our own. We ought to attempt something so big, so great, that it would only work if God is somehow involved in it. Can you think of anything like that? Well, here's the second thing. When I have faith, and when I expect God for the best, it increases my ability in life. It increases my ability. David It says, went and picked up five smooth stones from the brook. He had a tiny little slingshot, and he went out, and he defeated that giant Goliath. Now, every time I've ever told that story, somebody says, what kind of faith is that? There's only one giant. Why did he pick up five rocks? Did he think he was going to miss? I mean, did he really not trust God? Well, friends, read the Bible. The Bible says Goliath had four rocks brothers you know maybe David was walking out there and said if and when I defeat this giant God is going to give me the strength to defeat those four other guys if I have to all I'm saying friends is if you act in faith you receive that additional strength you need to meet whatever challenge God allows in your life here's the third thing when I have faith and when I expect God for the best it encourages others The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 17 that when Goliath fell over, David ran up, by the way, picked up Goliath's sword, chopped his head off, and then held his head up for everybody to see. The Bible says that when the Israelites saw that, they gave a great big cheer of triumph and they chased the Philistines all the way back to Gath, which was all the way back to their hometown. See, an entire nation was all jacked up. They were all energized. They were all encouraged. Why? Because of the faith of one young man. Friends, when you have faith, it encourages people that you want to encourage in your life. It gives you strength to face difficulties in your life. And and all of that honors God in ways that you can't even imagine. But yet I also can guess that some of you today are sitting here, and you are facing some real giants, giant problems. Some of you have financial giants you're battling with. Some of you have medical giants you're battling with. Some of you have relational Goliaths, and you're thinking, how can I possibly expect the best when everything in my life seems to be going wrong? How can I do that? Well, I'm going to tell you, you can do it the exact same way David did. There are four things that David did that I think will help you have a more positive, expect the best attitude, even in the worst of all situations. Here they are. How do you expect the best when you're facing giants? Well, first of all, if you want to expect the best, I would tell you, tune in to God every morning. Tune in to God every morning. Psalm 5, verse 3, wonderful little Bible verse. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Now, how does the psalm writer, if it's David, get this spirit of expectation? Well, he spends time with God in the morning. He starts his day with God. Before he talks to anybody else, he talks to God. But... Some of you, I won't name names, some of you, you know who you are, were born naturally pessimistic. You're that kind of Lutheran who looks like and acts like you were baptized in vinegar. You identify with that great theologian Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh. Haven't heard any Winnie the Pooh lately? Let me read some. He stood beside the stream and looked at himself in the water. Pathetic, he said. That's what it is, pathetic. And he turned and slowly walked down the stream for 20 yards, splashed across it and walked slowly back on the other side. Then he looked at himself in the water again. As I thought, he said, no better from this side. But nobody minds, nobody cares. Pathetic, that's what it is. There's a cracking noise in the bracket behind him. And out comes Winnie the Pooh. Good morning, Eeyore, said Winnie. Good morning, Pooh, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. I want to ask you to raise your hand. Any of you identify with that? How many of you feel a little like Eeyore first thing in the morning? How many of you wake up grouchy in the morning? Raise your hand. How many of you let her sleep? Nobody heard that. Good. You know, there are really only two different kinds of people in this world. You are either a good morning Lord person or you are a good Lord it's morning person. And it's kind of a strange thing. Good morning Lord people always seem to end up married to good Lord it's morning people. (laughs) I don't know which is which in our family. But for those of you who feel a little bit sluggish in the morning, a little negative, a little critical in the morning, you know, if you're the kind of person who's waking up every morning not really expecting the best, not really jumping up in great faith, I got three suggestions for you. Number one, go to bed earlier. Number two, don't watch the morning news. But here's the really important thing start your morning with worship. You know, studies have shown that your mood for each day is determined by the first 10 minutes of your day. Now, you can be a little bit more intentional about expecting the best if you actually start off with Jesus, if you start off with worship. Focus in on God and every day. Affirm, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. And, you know, it's also interesting. Optimism, they say, releases endorphins in your brain you're actually going to feel better if you start out your day with God. Here's the second thing. If you want to really expect the best, think on God's promises throughout the day. Think on God's promises. In the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, verse 95, David says, Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind upon your promises. Now understand, David was facing... All-out war. I mean, even his own son was trying to chase him out of town. He was under constant threat of assassination. And he said, I need your promises all day long just to help me face these threats and these anxieties. In that same long chapter, in verse 11, it says, I bank your promises in my heart. In fact, I think in the old King James it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin. You know, friends, there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. God put 7,000-plus promises in His Word just to give us confidence and assurance. In Philippians 4, verse 8, Paul says, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. So let me suggest this, friends. If you're going to change your... Heart or change that anxiety, or if you're going to feel less threatened in your life and more hopeful, the kind of person who really expects the best, start listening to God's promises. In Hebrews 10 23, it says, Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps His word. Now, to help you out each week for t- Ten weeks, eight weeks, I'm going to give you what I call an extreme faith verse. It's on your outline. An extreme faith verse number one. Each week I would like to have you look at it, study it, meditate on it, and put it in your heart to make a difference. Now some of you are saying, what do you mean put it into your heart? That sounds like memorize it. Uh-huh. That's exactly what I mean. Extreme faith. Faith, verse number 1, is Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, no one can please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real and that he rewards those who, know, who tru- rewards those who truly want to know him. Now, some of you are saying, oh, great memory. I haven't memorized anything since third grade, and I couldn't even do it then. Some of you say you can't memorize anything but you know about 465 cell phone numbers for memory. Some of you uh, say you can't memorize anything, but you can bake all kinds of stuff from scratch. Let me help you out. You know how generally they have three different sizes, small, medium, and large, unless you go to Starbucks, in which case it's, uh, what, tall, grande, and venti. Some of you just need to start with the grande part of it. This week, just memorize, without faith, no one can please God. Think you can handle that? Without faith, no one can please God. In fact, some of you, I won't point you out, maybe you just need to start by memorizing one word. Try faith. Faith, a little bit would help. If you can memorize a whole lot, memorize the entire verse. And so next Sunday when I point to you, you'll just jump right up and say it correct i'll take volunteers next week but whatever way you do it i'm just saying maybe this is one way this year to start banking some of those promises in your heart where they can make a difference now i had a class in eighth grades maybe nine grades kindergarten through eighth grade at st john's lutheran school in seward nebraska where we always had that dreaded class called memory And I memorized Bible passages and hymn verses and uh, Luther's small catechism. You name it, I memorized it. That's the way you get out of grade school. I can't tell you that I necessarily enjoyed it at the time. But then again, I can't begin to tell you the number of times that God has brought one of those memorized verses back to mind to remind me not to say something stupid Or, or to be patient when I don't want to be patient or to have hope when I feel hopeless, or to have strength when I feel weak, or to build a bridge and just get over it for a change. I mean, it's amazing how if you put all of those promises of God into your life, you know, if some of you got that face that looks bad, this would give you a real faith lift. Here's number three. If you want to expect the best, trust in God's love even when everything looks bad. You get that trust in God, even when everything looks bad. Psalm 42, verse 11 says, Oh, my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. Expect God to act, for I know that I shall again have plenty of reason to praise him for all that he will do. Now, if you see that passage on that outline, you'll notice that little in the future. It says what he will do. He's saying, I will not be discouraged. Circumstances may look dark, but I'm not going to get down. I'm going to expect God to act. He's done it in the past. He'll do it again. Now, some of you may be going through some pretty dark times right now. I don't know what's really going on in your family. I don't know what's really going on in your life. What do you do when you're going through tough times? Here's two things I suggest. One, remember what God did for you in the past. Two, expect Him to do it again. Seems pretty simple to me. And yet, I think we rarely understand why God allows certain things in our lives when they happen. I've certainly been blindsided by life any number of times. And at the moment, I thought, what on earth is this all about? What is God thinking? What do you do when you're in a tough situation and it just doesn't make sense? I hate to give you a real simple answer, but here it is. Trust in the love of God trust in the love of God. Learn to say, I, I don't have to understand it. I just need to trust in the fact that God is in control and that God loves me and God is going to take care of me and God is going to work this out somehow some way for the best. See, that's that deep level of extreme faith that God wants you to grow in. Hebrews 12:10. When while we were children, our parents did what seemed best for them, But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. See, here's the key. If you want to handle the dark times of life, look at them in the light of God's perspective. See, friends, if you look at everything through your own viewpoint, some things look really, really big. But if you look at it from God's viewpoint, you know the problem begins to shrink. See, the entire Israeli army looked at that nine-and-a-half-foot-tall Goliath and said, no way, we can't handle that guy, it's impossible. We'll never take him down. David looked at him. I don't know if you remember exactly what he said, but it was something like this. He said, he's just a mere mortal man who is defiling and defaming God. God is on our side. God will help us out. Together, we will will take him down. You know, there's another promise you might want to memorize this week. It's in Psalm 91. It's on your outline. If or I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of care if you only get to know and trust me. Now, that's the interesting thing about God's promises. With every promise, there's a premise. God says, here's the promise. I'll get you out of any problem. Here's the premise. You just got to know me more, and you just got to, what? Trust me more that's why for some of you god has been trying to get your attention for many people god allows people to go through problems and stuff trying to get their attention to say look friend i'll take care of you honest if only you will get to know me more and only if you will trust me more now if you feel pessimistic about the future because you've been hurt in the past Give it to Jesus. I know without a doubt that God is close to the brokenhearted. I mean, if you're sitting here today with a broken heart, guess what? The Bible says God is close to you. That's His promise. He can take every negative experience you've ever had in life, I don't care what it is, and He can use it for good if you would just trust Him. Expect Him to keep His promises. That's why. You know, I remember with the confirmation class this year, when I asked him the question, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Yes, no, or maybe? And then we got to the second question. If you, if you think you're going to go to heaven and you're standing in front of heaven's gate and Jesus said, friend, why should I let you in? One of the kids says, pastor, what's your answer? What would you say? I mean, First of all, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? I said, oh, no kidding, yes. Okay, you're standing in heaven's gate. Why should God let you in? Here's my answer. You promised. You have to. I'm here to collect on a promise. Right? You all know that promise? Or am I just talking to myself this morning? John 3, 16. I'll at least give it to you that way. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall, what, have everlasting life. I believe it. I'm here. I'm in. You don't like that one? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace have you been saved through grace. It's the gift of God. Not of works. Let's see. There you go. God promises Just that simple. Here's the last one, number four. If you expect the best, if you want to expect the best, talk with other believers. See, David didn't just face this giant all by himself. He had emotional support. He had spiritual support. He had prayer partner support. He had other godly people who were with him in the battle. Again, in the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, verse 63. I'm a friend and a companion to those committed to living by your rules. All I'm saying, friends, is you need to associate with, attach yourself to, and fellowship with people of a positive faith. Let me ask you, who do you hang out with? Oh, I tell you, it all came to bear to me on Confirmation Day when the pastor put his his hand on my head and pronounced Psalm 1 over me, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. I said, yeah, he's talking about my friends but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. See, friends, if you hang out with cynical people, if you hang out with sarcastic people, if you hang out with critical people, they will suck the life out of you. They will infect you. If you want to be a person of great faith, of great expectation, then you need to find people who will help you grow in your faith. Now, I'm not telling you to get rid of all your negative friends. After all, as someone said, everybody needs one or two neurotic people as projects. But you don't want a whole basket load of projects or they'll pull you down. You need far more VIPs than you need VDPs. You all know the difference? A VIP is a very inspirational person. You need somebody like that who builds up your faith. You don't need the VDP, the very draining people who just suck, they can suck the life out of a person from 10 yards. See, if you've got more VDPs in your life than VIPs, you're in deep weeds because these people will just drain you Of your expectation for the best. You need to find yourself some VIPs. Now, where are you going to find them? I guarantee you, you'll find some here. The best place to find them sometimes is in a Bible study or a small group where you know that there are other people who would encourage you. The Bible says, let's not give up the habit of meeting together, instead, let us encourage one another. Friends, if you're not in a Bible class of some kind or a group or hanging around with Christian friends, where on earth do you get the encouragement you need to have extreme faith in extreme times? Now, those are four steps, four secrets that David did that are so important that I really wanted to start this year by building the first 50 days around these four things. Faith comes from hearing the Word of God, and we're going to get the Word of God into you in two different ways. One is every week for eight weeks, we're going to talk about extreme faith. Next week, I'm going to share with you extreme dreams. And in the last message, you're going to have a real treat because Jack is going to share part of his testimony. He's going to help jerk your faith around a little bit and expand it. I'm looking forward to this series. I'm looking forward to every message, and I'm looking forward to sharing them. The second thing is we're going to give you an extreme faith verse every week. And if for no other reason, you can come and collect it, and if you memorize these verses, you will bank a lot of treasure. Yet I know some of you are still worried about problems. Some of you are facing problems yet this week. You've still got Goliath standing out there. Maybe some of you are waiting for lab reports to come back. Maybe some of you got a situation at work. Some of you have got unresolved family problems. Maybe you've got an important decision that needs to be made real soon. Here's my advice. Relax. Take a deep breath. In fact, let's do that. Let's take a deep breath. And just trust Jesus. I'm going to close with a simple prayer this morning, and I'm going to just ask you to repeat these portions of the prayer after me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I want to put my trust in you and expect the best. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's stand to sing our closing song.